Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you out this morning, and we're glad that you're here with us. I'm glad to be back with you. Uh, last week, I was participating in a gospel meeting with the Sharpsville congregation. I got to lead the singing for that, and I was glad to, to have the, the opportunity to be away from the pulpit for a little bit. It gave me an opportunity to hear some other speakers, and I was uh, thankful to be able to do that. But I'm, I'm glad to be back with you. And uh, usually time away is good for preachers. And I feel really good today uh, to be back and, and uh, to hopefully get back in the, the swing of things. Uh, I have been away quite a bit over the last few weeks, uh, once for sickness and, and then for the meeting. Um, but the last time that I preached for you, uh, I did a lesson on a song. We, we did a lesson on standing on the promises. And I thought, well, you know, why don't we just continue that idea? And so today's lesson is based on another song. Fanny J. Crosby is, is one of the most influential writers that we have in our, our songbooks as far as um, how many songs she has written. Uh, we have several in our songbook. And uh, there was even one night of the meeting that, that I spent on just songs written by her. Um, this is one of them. And this is one that I remember growing up with. And the idea of the song, Draw Me Nearer, that's what we're focusing in on today. As Christians, we want to draw nearer to God with each day of our lives, with everything that we do. We want to draw nearer to God. But how do we do that? How do we accomplish that nearness to Him, that close relationship that we desire with God? How do we go about accomplishing that? Guided by the lyrics of this song, I am thine, O Lord. We will study from Scripture what it takes to draw nearer to God in public service and also in a private relationship with Him. That's what we desire. Stanza 1 of this song speaks of the desire to be nearer. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Every Christian should seek in everything to be nearer to God. We should never be content with our current state, but always looking upward. And so many times I think that we as Christians, we do find contentment in the wrong way. You know, Paul was one of the ones that, that said that, that he sought to be content. And contentment is a good thing, but not always. And sometimes we are too content with the world that we live in. And we're too content with the relationship that we have with God. We want to draw nearer to Him. And so that's something that I want to encourage in our lesson today. Now there are two aspects that I want to look at. And first of all, I want us to look at how we can be nearer in public ministry. We have a duty to man. We have a duty to those around us and, and in our relationship with the public. You know, sometimes it's good for us to get away. And we often talk about that when we go to, to camp or something like that. 
we talked about how good it is to get away from the world, but we have a ministry to the world. And so part of our relationship with God is, is drawing near to Him in, in our public ministry. Stanza 2 of this song. Consecrate me now to Thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost. And thine. We are still servants of God when we are alone with Him. And often we are tempted in these hours alone, and, and we serve Him by not giving in to the temptations that we face. That's important to our lives. But what does it mean to be a public servant of God? It begins in our obedience to the gospel, to the plan of salvation. Belief and repentance are private matters of the heart. And they are only expressed when we seek to obey the plan of salvation. But it wasn't until the Ethiopian eunuch public, until he publicly confessed his faith in God to Philip that he was able to be baptized for the remission of his sins. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8 and let's look at verses 35 through 38. Acts 8 and verse 35. We're told that Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. The scripture being from Isaiah. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said to him, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded his chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Baptism is also a public act of obedience. And some have said that it, it is simply an outward showing of an inward faith. But that's not the case. That's not what Scripture tells us. Truthfully, we find that salvation is not possible without baptism for the remission of sin. Being asked what they must do, Peter replied to the crowd that had gathered on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, and verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, remission of sins is made possible by our willingness to publicly confess faith in God. Our need for forgiveness 
and submission to His command to obey in baptism. However, our heart must also be right with God in these public acts of obedience. You see, just because someone is baptized, and maybe even for the right reason that their heart is not right with God, that does not make them a child of God. So we need to be careful of what is within our heart when we obey the gospel. Make sure that we do so for the right reasons. Our public service to God is continued in our public worship of Him. When we gather on the first day of the week, we come together and we sing. We pray. We partake of the Lord's Supper. We give a portion of our means back to the service of God. And, and we study together from God's Word as we're doing right now. And these public acts are, are directed at fulfilling His commands and in an effort to please Him. If we are going to please God, then let me suggest to you that more is required than just sitting in the pew as a spectator. You see, there are many people that will gather with different congregations, different denominations, and they'll gather just because they think that's what they're supposed to do. They think that it will appease God, that, that it will, will make everything right. But let me tell you that it's very important that we participate in the worship service. We only get out of the service what we are willing to put into it. God has commanded these things of us for our edification. And if we leave the worship not edified, we are missing the purpose of worship altogether. Many are seeking an experience. Matter of fact, there's a church that, that has taken on the name experience. Because that's what people are looking for. But it's not about our experience. It's about serving God. And if we're seeking an experience, then again we're defeating the purpose of worship altogether. So our public service to God, it continues in our worship, but it's also important that we worship for the right reasons. And that we have that effort of trying to please God in mind. In what other ways do we serve God in public? The Great Commission, have you ever thought, is given with public service in mind. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen.
all Christians are expected by God to go into all the world with the gospel message. We are to teach the lost what is necessary for salvation and to observe all things that I have commanded you. I brought out in a devotional several weeks ago something that, that I found in my studies about this phrase. Teaching them to observe all things. You know, there are certain commands that I can't obey. Certain commands that are directed at someone else that I can't obey. For instance, Ephesians 5 and verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. I can't obey that command because I'm not a wife. But I am to observe that command. And I am to teach others to observe that command. And there are others, but that's one good example. That's what we're supposed to do. We are to teach others to observe all the things that I have commanded you. We do this just as much in our daily lives as we do when we make plans to go abroad or to send a missionary to some foreign place. And sometimes we're not able ourselves to go far and wide. But we have a mission field around us. Just look at the community around us. Uh, the houses that surround this building. Uh, how many houses did you pass on, on your way to worship today? How many of those are not faithful Christians? This commission is not fulfilled by our giving money to the church but it must be done by each individual to those we know are outside of Christ. Giving money helps. It helps to further the gospel. It helps to spread the gospel to different places but it doesn't fulfill the command by itself. So don't think that just by putting a few dollars in, in the, the basket it's going to fulfill the Great Commission. It doesn't. You see, it's something that we must fulfill in our everyday lives. When we talk to people, we talk to them about Jesus. We teach them, just as the apostles were commanded to do. They were the ones that this commission was originally given to, but it is also passed down to us. As we are the ones that remain on the earth, it is left to us as Christians to fulfill this commission. And it's going to take effort on our part to do so. We are to be of service to our fellow brethren in Christ as well as to those of the world. You know, Jesus taught His disciples to serve one another. Turn with me for a moment to John 13. Let's notice verses 2 through 17. John 13, beginning with verse 2. And supper being ended, Jesus rose from supper. So we get into verse 4. And laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? 
Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And picking up a verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now there are those that take this literally. And whenever they gather, they wash each other's feet. But that wasn't the message, that wasn't the purpose of what Jesus was trying to teach His disciples. He was trying to teach them to serve one another. And it goes beyond washing your feet. Today that's not as necessary. We don't walk hundreds of miles in sandals and get our feet that dirty. So that we need to wash each other's feet. But we need to serve each other in different ways. You see, there are things that only the church can supply to brethren. Have you ever thought about what we do as a congregation and how we serve one another? This congregation, we, we serve each other. We, we keep a benevolence pantry for those who are in need. But when it comes to, to each other, when we are sick, we send cards. When someone is in need of it, we, we make food and we send it to their homes. And, and we help to supply those needs. Where else are you going to get that kind of of a relationship other than in the church. And so many times we, we see people neglect the church and neglect assembling with the saints. Where else are you going to find that kind of relationship with people? In your workplace? Are your co-workers going to bring you food if you need it? Are you going to find it in, in your friends or, or in your, your, even your family, your blood family? Are they going to help you whenever you have need? Those things are going to be supplied by members of the church. Jesus was teaching His disciples to serve one another. And that's something that we must do. In Matthew 25, picking up with verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory... And all the holy angels with him. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. This is Jesus speaking. Verse 32. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand. But the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand. Come you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying. Lord when did we see you hungry and feed you. Or thirsty and give you drink. When did we see you a stranger. And take you in or naked and clothe you. Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, Inasmuch 
as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren. You did it to me. We supply each other's needs. We supply the needs of Christ. We are doing these things to Him when we do these things to each other. And that's so important when it comes to our public ministry that we serve each other. We will be judged based on whether or not we have been servants to the least of these my brethren. My brethren. Though the emphasis is on serving our brethren in Christ, we should also be willing to serve those who are outside of the household of faith. Jesus himself chose to go to the poor and lowly because they were in need of a physician. Often drawing the criticism of the scribes and the Pharisees. But he went to the lowly people. He went to those who needed him. And we need to do that as well. So we draw nearer to God. We want to draw nearer to God in our ministry to the public. In the, the acts that we do in public. But it's also important that we draw nearer to God in heart. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Christians should delight to be in the presence of God. I would dare say that if you didn't delight to be in the presence of God, you wouldn't be here today. But we should delight to be in the presence of God. Whether it be in quiet time of study and meditation or in prayer, God has given us His Word so that we might know Him and be drawn closer to Him. How are we going to be drawn closer to Him if we don't open up His Word? The importance of our private relationship with God is found in Scripture. We see it in different examples of those who did draw closer to God and in the teachings of Jesus and His apostles. Looking at Jesus and how He taught His disciples to pray. Matthew chapter 6. Beginning with verse 5. Matthew 6 and verse 5. He said this, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you... When you pray, go into your room. I believe some of the older translations say go into your closet. But go into your room, a private place. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in 
the secret place. The place where, where you are in this room, where you've shut the door, where you've shut yourself in. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. He's within our hearts. He is within us. He is with us when we do so. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before you stepped into this building this morning, before we entered into our Bible class with a word of prayer, and before Kurt offered the prayer in this worship service, when was the last time you prayed? Did you pray this morning when you woke up? Or maybe last night when you went to bed? When was the last time that you prayed alone? When was the last time that you prayed for more than five minutes? How long has it been? You see, he was teaching his disciples not to pray loudly in public places, drawing attention to themselves, but in privacy, revealing to him only what was deep in their hearts. That's how he teaches us to pray today. We reveal to God things that we would never dream of speaking to anyone else, but we are able to take those things to God and know that it's between us and God only. He's not going to share our secrets. As so many do. And that doesn't mean that we never pray in public, and particularly in our prayers and our worship services. But when we do pray in public, we are to direct others' attention to God, not self. And this is something that we do have to be very careful of. Some do pray with the wrong idea in mind. They want, to, want people to look at them and say, Oh, you know, you, you prayed a beautiful prayer. Maybe they did. But it's what's in the heart when we pray that matters. And sometimes we don't take prayer as seriously as we should. How many times do, do we see those that lead in prayer just, just stand up in the pulpit or, or from where they are? They just 
just recite a, a prayer that they've said, the same thing they've said over and over again. And we need to think of who we're talking to when we pray as well. Often we read of Jesus spending time alone with God. In preparing for His temptations, He had spent time alone with God, as we read in Matthew 4 and also Luke 4. Jesus on multiple occasions sought to be alone with God. Before He walked on water, we read in Matthew 14 and verse 23, And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. Now when evening came, He was alone there. Before choosing His apostles in Luke 6 and verse 12, Now it came to pass in those days that He went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All night. When was the last time that you prayed? All night. Over something that, that, that you were, were burdened with. Before His crucifixion in Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to His disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And He took with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And then He said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with Me. Verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. My will be lost in thine. Where did that come from? If Jesus sought a deeper, private relationship with his Father, how much more should we seek God and privacy? In our weakest and darkest moments, how much more should we seek Him? Jesus sought the comfort of His Holy Father. And so should we. When we, or when we study God's Word, we should do so with a closer relationship with Him in mind. Again, His Word is given to us so that we might know Him and draw closer to Him. We want to know His will for us so that we might be what He wants us to be. We seek His will in our salvation, in our service to Him, in worship and in life. We seek His will in all things. You know, it's very possible to read God's Word on a daily basis and still have the wrong attitude and intentions. And this is something I have to be very careful of myself. Whenever we study God's Word, it's more than reading two or three chapters a day just to check it off our list. Now I found that I have to be very careful when I try to follow a reading schedule of any type. We did that last year. And that was something that, that I had to be careful not to just check the things off as, as I went. Sometimes we don't spend as much time in different places. And so every so often, like this year, I've made the intention of, of studying certain passages, certain scriptures, certain books deeper than just reading a few chapters. I take it 
slowly and actually take it in. Sometimes we don't do that. A lot of times we may keep a Bible around and, and maybe we open it up and, and okay, I read Genesis 1, 2, and 3 today. Okay, I'm done for today. That's not what studying God's Word is about. Studying God's Word takes time to understand and comprehend its meaning. And it's not something that we're going to get immediately. It's not like I'm going to read a verse and, and oh, well, I know what this is. It may take years. There are things that I'm learning. Even today I was taking some notes in Bible class, some things that I hadn't thought about. Studying God's Word takes time and it's something that, that we should be doing every day of our lives. I'm going to use Brother Daniel as a, an example here for a moment. I visited him several times in his home and whenever I go in, I always see an open Bible laying out in his living room. And it's always something that, that I've thought well of him for. We need to study God's Word and we need to actually seek its meaning. If we just read over it, we're going to miss so much. But there's so much that we gain when we seek a deeper meaning. And what is our purpose in studying God's Word? Look at Paul's exhortation in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Look at the Bereans in Acts 17, verses 10 and 11. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They had purpose in mind. We need to be able to rightly divide the word of God. Uh, not just the Old Testament from the New Testament. We need to be able to divide the truth from the false. And when it comes to preaching, it's not just about listening to what I have to say. I'm a human being. I may make a mistake. I may not say something as well as I meant to. And in that case, you need to open up your Bibles. Follow along. Look at the Scriptures when you get home and, and make sure that what I'm saying is the truth. When they searched the Scriptures daily, they found these things to be true and, and they became Christians. Let's look at the Bereans. That's 17. We look at the wisdom of the Psalms. In Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Christians should regularly devote personal time to God. If you have a break at work, why not spend some of that time in prayer or study? There's a, a 15 minute program that I actually got to participate in in Woodbury for a long time. And I, I wouldn't have that long, but I'd have enough time to, to go out to the truck and, and listen to that program. And I enjoyed doing that. That's been a few years ago. Devote your mornings or your evenings to personal time with God. Some are better at different times. I'm a morning person, so 
I usually try to put in my study in the morning because I know when I get home I'm going to be tired and it's going to be hard to do. But, but, but choose a time and devote that time to God every day. Do you have a friend in need? Are you willing to share some time with them to pray with them about their situation? Maybe just the two of you. The other day at work we have Kelly Hockenberry on our prayer list. And that's the wife of a friend of mine, someone that I work with, George. And whenever Kelly was getting ready to go through surgery, there were several people that would come in and he would, would tell them what was going on. And one lady in particular caught my attention because he, he told her uh, about the surgery and, and immediately she, she said, come over here, let's pray about it. And they did. We need to have that kind of prayer life and be willing to pray with one another when in need. Do you use some of your driving time, commuting to work or otherwise, to spend time alone with God in prayer? And I know that you've got to pay attention to the road. But you know, sometimes it's good to flip off the radio and pray. It's okay to do that. Or maybe you're walking in your neighborhood. I like to walk the greenway now and then. And I like to spend that time praying. But make sure that you put God in your daily life. We want to draw nearer to Him. And there's no way to draw nearer to Him than to devote that time to Him. To pray, to study, and to, to put these things in our memories. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. As I mentioned before, as much as I study, the more I realize that there's so much that I don't know. And despite our lack of knowledge in many areas pertaining to God, we have to ask, are we able to rest our trust fully in Him, knowing that our questions will one day be no more? It may be that they're answered. It may be that we, we may not want to ask those questions anymore when we get to eternity with God. But can we rest our faith in God knowing that we have everything that we need? That we know everything that we need to be faithful children. Do we have peace in our relationship with the Father? The only way to have peace with God is through His Son and recognizing His sacrifice on the cross for our sins. The only way to true peace is through obedience to the gospel. When we come in contact with that blood, we can know that our sins have been washed away and that's when we find peace with God. But it's not until then that we find that peace. And so I ask you, are you a Christian? Do you need to obey the gospel? Do you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins? Are you a faithful child of God? Do you need to come back and offer your life in rededication? Or ask for prayer on your behalf? Ask for forgiveness for something that you've done? Is there some way that we can help you today to draw nearer to God? The song of invitation is nearer, still nearer.
We want to draw nearer to God. And if you need help in doing that, if there's some way that we can help you, we ask that you come. Together we stand as we sing.